Take your Bible, if you would, and join me today in Colossians chapter number three. Colossians chapter number three. Several years ago, I had the privilege to travel on behalf of Pensacola Christian College. I was a college representative, and then in the summers and over the Christmas break, I'd have the privilege to take out or go out with one of the singing groups. And I would preach and they would sing and we would conduct services almost every night of the week during the summer and the the Christmas holiday weeks. We would do the service and after the service, the churches, the pastors would have very graciously lined up homes for us to stay in. And I suspect over the course of several tours that I did like that, I have stayed in literally hundreds and hundreds of people's homes. And while I say this genuinely, we appreciated all of the hospitality, all of the homes we we had, and they would pack a lunch for us the next day. We had a lot of ham and cheese sandwiches. So I appreciated all of the homes, all of the hospitality. But some of them stood out as especially hospitable. These would be families, people that we had never met before, we had no prior, previous contact with, but I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to to detail or bullet point the characteristics, but there was something about them and their home that made us truly feel at home. And it goes far beyond just the words that are offered. Someone might say, now listen, make yourself at home, but for whatever reason, you were appreciative and and they were kind and, and when you left, you thanked them genuinely, but there just was not that sense that you were feeling at home. And then again, I don't know why this is, but there was something about some homes that you would go into and maybe they never even said the words, make yourself at home, but, but almost immediately you had this sense that you would like to visit again. When you left, there was some connection that had been made that was special, different, beyond that normal, I don't know, sometimes just the space of maybe 12 or 14 hours. There was a sense of home in theirs. Now, the title of the message today is, is I hope timely, but I also hope somewhat timeless or at least appropriate for this age that we are in biblically. The title of the message today is Making Church Feel Like Home. There are churches all across America and I suspect all across the world that would have some kind of a tagline that would be similar to this. It would be a place to call home. By that, a church is trying to say, we want you to come in and sit down in our midst and we want you to feel at home. Here we are today, we're, we're campus church. We're a unique called out assembly, but not unique in a biblical sense, not unique in a church sense, but unique in a gathering sense. We do those same things that God has given to every church since the birth of the same. But our assembly is unique. 
We have people who are part of this called out assembly year round, year after year, day after day, week after week, month after month. They're part of this called out assembly and yet they have been assembled from such diverse parts of the world and here they are together at Campus Church. And then of course, we're Campus Church. That tells you something unique about who we are. We're Campus Church that meets actually on the campus of a Christian college. We meet on the campus of Pensacola Christian College. Now Campus Church is not PCC, but we assemble, we gather, we meet on the campus of Pensacola Christian College. That, that makes us somewhat unique because we are hence our name, I think, is appropriate name. Hence, we are Campus Church. We also are a church where the students of Pensacola Christian College then assemble and they come and attend services at Campus Church. We're unique in a lot of ways. We've said this for some time. We have said to our college students that assemble here, we, we really do want you to feel at home. But we're not trying to, to take the place of your home church. We, we get that. In fact, no home that we would have stayed in when we were traveling in an ensemble with one of those singing teams, no home was trying to become our new home. That wasn't their goal. But while we were there with them, they did want us to feel at home. And, and some of them did so wonderfully well. At Campus Church, I think it is part of our responsibility to even understand what would that look like for us to have characteristics about us as a church or this called out assembly that would make people feel at home. And then I'm, I'm going to turn that table just a little bit today and say, are there some Bible things that any person coming could actually do that might help us down the road of making a church feel like home. I think there are people here that may have been part of campus church for years. I mean, year after year, you're not just a, 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 a partially here person. You're here every year, all year. And I suspect there may be people that say, you know, I, I've never quite felt at home. I could understand that. There would be other people who'd say, listen, Campus Church is my home. It's my home church. When I, when I come into that assembly, I just feel like I am finally home. I mentioned to Dr. Zacharias this morning, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching on making church feel like home. And he said, you know, church should be that kind of place that when you, you finally get there, there's this sigh of relief. I have come out from the storm. I have come into family and friends. There's a place of protection, of safety, where I can just kind of, ah, breathe a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. So how is it that whether, whether you'd say, man, I identify with this place as my home or, you know, I've never quite felt at home. Certainly there are things that a church can do, but, but if you're not in control of what a church can do, what can we do? That's a good question for us to ask. And, and I believe that this question would be valuable wherever God thrusts us out into various churches. In Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul's addressing, of course, the church at Colossae, and, and by that he leaves an address for us today. And he begins to touch on things um, long about verse number 11 that helped the church, the body of believers to function as a body, as one. 
Look at some of the preliminary things before we actually get to our text. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 11. He says, where there's neither, okay, church, this, this called out assembly is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, ah, love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. And now we get to our text. And from our text, let's look at how can we make church, how can I, us individually, make church feel like home? Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now I realize that we have a wide assortment of people assembled in the building today. Some for the first time, some may have returned after a long time, some from the Pensacola area, some from other countries, thousands of miles from here. Some here have been here for many years, some for just a few. Let's take a look at our text as we break it down and see how to make church feel like home. And it all has to do with how we approach the word of Christ or We might say, what do we do when we come to church with the word of God? Let's consider a few things today. And I think if we individually will process this, we will take leaps forward in making the church feel like home. The first thing that the scripture calls us to do is this. Number one, okay, what am I gonna do with the word of God? Number one, Invite it to stay. Invite it to stay. Now again, look at our text, verse number 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now the phrase that's used here is precise and it is rich with meaning. Okay, first of all, the word of Christ. We might understand that phrase to be, to be more understood, more approachable if we said the word about Christ and that is the scripture. We know that Jesus came in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The word put on flesh, dwelt among us. When we say, let the word of Christ, only place that that specific phrase is used in scripture, we're really understanding, hey, this is the word of God. This is the word about Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is let the word of Christ, let it. That, that word is you're supposed to allow. This is up to you. Let me ask it this way. How many of you have ever knocked on someone's door with the intention of going for a visit? And so you knocked on the door, 
Somebody that you know came to the door, they opened the door, and you kind of started moving forward to walk inside, but they just stood there. Have you ever had that kind of a moment before? Where, you know, you knocked on the door, uh, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And you started walking like, um, yeah, good to see you too. Um, hey, I just thought I'd come by, stop by and see you. Oh, good. Nice to see you. But they're not moving, okay? And it's a little awkward right there. And you have this conversation and then you say, well, listen, um, uh, we'll have to get together sometime. And they say, yeah, okay. See ya. And that's it. Okay, there was no inviting in. There was some conversation, so to speak, on the doorstep, but there was no invitation to come on in. Hey, hey, great to see you. Come on in, let's sit down. The first word that our text uses is let the. It is literally saying it is up to you to allow the word of God to have a place where it is comfortable with you. Hey, come on in, I am inviting the word of God in. Several years ago, I had a church member upset at me because I had not come to visit their home. And, and I understand, I, I know they, they, they said, listen, you have never come to my home. Well, I didn't say this to them. I, I, did, I wasn't trying to be unkind, but I did walk away from the conversation after they, they gave me the what for about never coming to their home. I did walk away from that saying, they've never invited me. Now, I know they had an expectation of their pastor that, that may have been something placed in their mind, but wow, just, just invite me. You know, sometimes we're a little bothered, like the word never speaks to me. We hear someone else talk about how it impacted their life and what it did for them and what they got out of a sermon, what they got out of their devotions, what they got from this teaching. And we say, that never happens to me. And sometimes I wonder, are we actually inviting the word in? Do we come to church, the called out assembly, with an eager anticipation as to what does the word have for me? you know, I have to do this. I mean, I, I, you'd say, well, I would expect that you would do this, but I actually have to at least keep in mind my Saturday because I am thinking about my Sunday. I have to, at least in some practical way, like, man, I want church to feel like home. I have to know what can my body handle on Saturday so that I can actually be prepared for something that I want to receive or offer on Sunday. Oh yeah, I never get anything out of church. I just don't feel at home. I wonder what are we doing to actually invite the word in? Do you remember the childhood song? If you grew up in church, you probably grew up singing, you know, behold, behold, I stand at the door and then what's the next three words? Knock, 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 who's there? No, 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 we're not gonna play that. Okay, so behold, I stand at the door and knock, knock, knock. If any man hear my voice, if any man hear my voice, I will. Then we used to act it out, you know. I will open, open, open the door and will come in. Great song, honestly. We, we many times use that for salvation, but it truly has to do with Christian fellowship between us and Jesus Christ. He says, I'm knocking, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, now he puts the burden of responsibility on us. Jesus says, I am standing there and I am knocking on your heart's door. And he says, I am waiting for you to do what only you can do. It is a gracious Jesus 
who says, I give you that opportunity. I'm not going to force that door. I'm not going to barge in. I'm not going to insert myself. I'm waiting patiently for you. Jesus said in John 6:48, I am that bread of life. He wants to come and to impart to you a meal literally of himself. Jeremiah said, thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah said, Lord, to have your word and to consume it for myself, the joy and rejoicing of my heart. How do we make church feel like home? We come with some eager anticipation of the word of God and we say, hey, listen, the door's open. Come on in and make yourself at home. Commenting on the phrase, let the word of Christ dwell in you. The old preacher, J. Vernon McGee said, let it have the run of the house. Allow the word of God to have every key to every room. He said, invite it in and let it have the run of the house. Lord, there is no sacred off-limits place in the, 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 the home of my life. And you know, when we come to church and we say, okay, now, now, you know, at church, they can talk about anything, but hey, don't talk about that. No, if the, if the word speaks about it, then let's invite it in. No matter what our culture says today is appropriate or inappropriate to talk about, no matter what our personal histories, no matter what our likes or our dislikes, let's open the door and say, God, the door is wide open. I want the word to come in. I invite it to stay. Paul is saying, let the word of God be at home in your mind. Let its influence permeate every aspect of your life. If the word's not at home in our lives, how will we know what to do with the many complexities of life? How are you going to know? How will we know how to raise godly children? How will we know how to administer correction or teach them what's appropriate or inappropriate between them and their friends or how to respond to the authorities or their government? to choose their music or their vocabulary, their college, their video games, their dates, their future mates. Beyond family, how will we know whom to vote for? How will we know what entertainment choices we should make? How will we know what language is appropriate to use? How will we know what form of baptism we should practice? How will we know if our occupation is acceptable for us as a Christian? How will we know what choices we should make with our wardrobe? How will we know if it's right to go to war? or to own property, or to celebrate a holiday? How will we know if we should ascribe to socialism, or communism, or Marxism, or capitalism? How will we have any direction if we have no lamp for our feet and light for our path? What is it that we have to do? If we want, man, church feels like home. How do we do that? Invited in to stay. Make a place for the word of God. David prayed that the Lord would keep him back from the sin of presumption. He said in Psalm 19, 13, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. There may be nothing more presumptuous for a Christian than to assume he can live a life successfully without looking into the instruction manual written by the only one who knows how you can succeed. How are we going to make, make church feel like home? 
open the door and invite the word to stay. So when we ask, what do we do with the word of God? Invite it to stay. Then where do we go next? Well, let's look a little bit further. Allow it to sting. Next, not only allow it to stay here like, oh, wow, now we're, we're, we're stepping on toes here, okay? No, allow it to sting. Notice what it says next, Colossians 3.16, again, teaching and admonishing one another. The word teaching means just that. It means to impart instruction. The word admonishing means to warn. If the word never stings, then there may be a problem within that needs to be resolved. Remember, teaching, that would be the impartation of positive truth. Admonishing is the negative side of teaching. Like, okay, if this means this, if you're not doing this, then hey, get that right. Stop doing that or start doing this. Admonishing. Now, now, nobody in here likes this idea of admonishing. Do you know the Bible uses the expression provoke one another unto love and good works? Provoke one another. Now, just for visual illustration, I'll be careful with this and I will try not to be inappropriate, but Dr. Zach, will you stand for just a moment? Okay, just, yeah, just come join me really quickly. Okay, to provoke one another. How many of you have ever been provoked before? Have you ever had someone just like, ooh, do you know what, what, what we mean? Like when we say they know how to push my buttons, you know what I mean? Like, okay, to provoke. Now, again, I'm gonna be careful because this guy's, he's built. Okay, so... So if I went up to him and I started, I'm being silly and careful, but if I went up to him and I just started poking him in the chest, like, hey, sorry. Don't do that again. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, he said, don't do that again. <laughs> oh yeah, what if I do? Okay, so, so now we've got a little provoking going on. Okay, now, now that would be in a, in a negative sense. Like if I'm doing that and I'm just trying to, I don't know, be unkind, that's a negative sense. But to provoke there is some idea of, hey, it's a little poke. And we, we typically don't like it. The, the idea in church for, for, two, for him to be able to come to me, and I'm not being silly about this, he, he has been able, he has the liberty, the freedom, the friendship, the history, the, the honest love and concern between two brothers who are serving the same master, have the same father in heaven, he has the ability to come to me and say, hey, I wanted to mention something to you. Do you know what that is? That's part of a family provoking one another to love and good works. It's not provoking for the sake of, I'm, I'm trying to get in his face. It's no, 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 listen, listen, hey, listen, we're walking together down this path, this journey. We want to provoke one another to good things. Thanks, Dr. Zach. This is the idea of scripturally saying, sometimes the word is going to admonish you. Listen, it's not gonna have that ability if it's still standing out on the front porch. Did you open the door and say, man, come on in. We come to church with this anticipation of what does the word have for me? Man, I'm here, I am ready, I am locked in. Okay, so now teach me. Now teaching starts to happen. And then what happens? Sometimes admonishment. Oh, like, hey, are you doing this? But maybe. We'll cut it out. Well, who are you to Nobody. But what is this to say to me? Now, if the word that we've invited in, if the word speaks to this, now we start to say, ooh, there is an authority that has come together. It's speaking to us as a family. And now there are some things that have to be resolved. Did, did mom or dad in your home ever say, okay, hey, tonight we're going to have a little family talk? 
Was family talk like, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're going to the fair. It usually wasn't that in my home, okay. We might be going round and round, but it wasn't on the merry-go-round, okay. <laughs> a little family talk in our family meant we have some things that need to be resolved in this family so that we can function like the family's supposed to function. When's the last time the word of God stung? Like, like you left the family of believers and, and it was like, ooh, wow, that, that was a sting. Have you looked into the word or listened to it being taught and it stung because you honestly evaluated your life against it and you found there were areas out of line. No person is to be exempt from this. No position in the church or family, or ministry, or workplace exempts us. Not our age, not our poverty, or our wealth, not our health, not our knowledge. None of it removes us from the need to be taught and admonished by the word. Notice what Paul says about this in the first chapter of the book. Verse number 27 ends, he's talking about Christ. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, verse, 21, verse, 20, um, verse 28, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Those are the same two words, teaching and admonishing, warning, teaching, same two words that he uses later in chapter three. And what's the end goal? The end goal is to present them perfect. You say, what does that word perfect mean? Because I'm not perfect. No, it means complete. That I have everything that I need to successfully do what God's called me to do. Josiah was the boy king who began to reign over Judah. He was eight years old. When he was 26, he began a major temple renovation during which the scriptures, which had been woefully neglected, were found. Listen to what happened when they were found and read. 2 Kings 22, and Shaphan the scribe showed the king saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book and Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. He hears the word read and it stung. He tears his clothes as this picture of his grief, his anxiety, his brokenness. Verse number 13, Josiah, after he said these things, he said, go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, for, for all of Judah concerning the, words of this, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all which is written concerning us. If the word never stings, then simply stated, we're, we're not listening. Gypsy Smith was a British evangelist. He saw thousands of people come to know Christ, both in Britain and in America. He died in the 1940s, but once a man came up to him and he's telling Gypsy Smith about his experience with the word of God, he said, I've gone through it several times and I found no inspiration from it. Gypsy Smith responded with, you may have gone through it several times, but let it go through you once and then you will tell a different story. We don't approach the word of God as if we are the judge and jury. We approach the word of God as if we are the defendant on trial. What does it have to say about me rather than what do I have to say about it? What is Paul saying? He's saying when the word is first invited to stay, we must also allow it to sting. And then what happens? 
Wow, something of a more positive nature. Notice in verse number 16, he says, now not just invite it to stay, allow it to sting. He says, make it sing. There is now some overflow that begins to take place in this collective church body at Colossae and still for us today. Verse number 16, again, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It's as if we've moved now from the word of God dwelling to the word of God swelling or overflowing in our hearts. We've moved from abiding, which is inward, to abounding, which is outward. What we can deduce is that when we get the word right, we get our worship right. There's an undeniable connection to our knowledge of the word of God and our expression of the same. What Paul is saying is that music should be solidly grounded in the word of God. When we're at home with the word, we will have substantive music that becomes a conduit for the message of the word of God. I believe that when our knowledge of the word is lacking, our choices of substantive music will be lacking as well. You know, the more I, I dwell and at home with the word, the more I allow it to stay, the more I allow it to sting, doing that work of correction, the more I'm gonna rightly sing, have this overflow of appropriate substantive praise to God. One commentator wrote, it is a dangerous thing to separate the praise of God from the word of God. Whenever our praise of God is not first and foremost grounded in the word of God, it has no anchor with which to direct or hold or, or moor it to truth. If you think about the first mention of scripture, Exodus chapter 14, verse number 30, thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. Do you know when, when Moses and the people of Israel have this experience with God and God works on their behalf, the overflow of their heart was music. It's also interesting. We're not going to take time to read the passage. But the Exodus 32 passage, verses 15 through 18, is when Moses was up in the mountain and the people then created false gods, calves to worship. And now there was this music that was taking place down in the camp. And he says, this is the sound of war. Something had changed in their song and it was the substance. When I am rightly staying in the word, the word rightly stings. Let me tell you, there's going to be a right song singing that is the overflow of my heart. Look at the last thing that he mentions in this passage. Not only do we see that we've invited the word to stay, we've allowed it to sting, we make it sing the last thing that he mentions in our text, verse 17, is watch it surround. Watch it now just surround you. It's as if everywhere you look, you see the good hand of God at work in your life. The Bible says, in whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. 
When the word of Christ is dwelling or abiding in us, whatever we do, either with our words or our actions, it can be done in the name of Jesus. We do so with thanksgiving toward him. Now, wherever I look, wherever I turn, I do so with thanksgiving and my life becomes a vehicle of praise and worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, whether they're for eat or drink, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, whether they're for eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Here in our Colossians passage, he says, okay, if the word of God has this, this like, come on in, stay and not just stay a while. Not just come back when you can stay a while. No, 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 come move in. And then we allow it to sting. We invite it like, oh, ouch, I need to correct that. And then there's this overflow, like, wow, I'm singing these songs that are the overflow. There's something valuable for one another when we sing together. And now, what's the natural product, not only of our assembly together, like wherever I look, I see Jesus. Wherever I turn, this is done in the name of Jesus Christ. It's done with thanksgiving. My worship, my interaction, my provoking, my serving, Everywhere I look at Colossae, everywhere I look at campus, everywhere I turn, I see the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The word that stays, it is the word that begins to surround. He even says, let all things be done proportionally, whatever you do in word or deed. There's some balance about my, my words and my actions, my walk. He says, let it be done properly. Do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. If I can't do this in Christ's name, should I really be doing this? Let all things be done prayerfully, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. The life lived in Christ will be a life lived in his word. We shouldn't pretend that we are at home in having put on the new man when we are not daily finding ourselves in his word. Believer, campus church, as we abide in him, may we do the same by abiding in his word. Invite the word to stay. We must first be continually in the word. Allow it to sting. We must allow it to both teach and admonish us. Make it sing. This is what happens in us and it is the overflow through us. And watch it surround Whatsoever we do becomes an act of worship and a living demonstration of the life of Jesus Christ. You and I must continually invite the word of God to speak, evaluate, teach, admonish before it will ever transform us into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. May we, even today, acknowledge our lack and its sufficiency And may we allow the word of God in our lives and in our church to truly make a place that we call home.